Hi there, just a quick message to say that the show now has a Patreon page. So if you find what I'm doing valuable, consider supporting the show on Patreon. There are costs associated with running the podcast. Your money will go towards hosting, equipment and software, which will give me the freedom to create a greater quantity and quality of content. I'll provide a link in the show notes, or you can just search for Condensed Matter on Patreon.com. In recognition of your support for the show, you'll get the opportunity to suggest articles and guests for future episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kinton Knight. focus of this episode is Rebecca Mason's paper, Social Kinds Are Essentially Mind-Dependent, published in Philosophical Studies in 2021. There are lots of different kinds of thing. Examples of these kinds include electron, tree, car, money. Philosophers have typically taken a special interest in so-called natural kinds. Natural kinds are thought to be special in some way. For example, Some might say that they are objective joints in nature, they exist and they structure the world completely independently of any human interests. As such, natural kinds are generally thought to be of particular interest to natural science. See episode 10 for related discussion here. Among the examples just given, electron and tree are the most likely candidates for being natural kinds. The kinds car and money, by contrast, don't seem to be sufficiently independent of human thought and activity to count as natural. But natural kinds, if there really are such things, are not the only philosophically interesting kinds. The kind money may not be natural because it's tied up with human thought and activity, but this observation raises interesting questions of its own. For example, what exactly are the conditions necessary for the existence of money? How should we think about the metaphysics of the kind money? And are there other kinds that are relevantly similar to money? The answer to this last question would seem to be a resounding yes. Money is one of a variety of social kinds. Social kinds stand in contrast to natural kinds in that they plausibly depend on human thought and activity. One task for the philosopher of social kinds, then, is to make this more precise. How exactly does the existence and nature of a social kind depend on humans, and what social and political implications does this have? In this paper, Rebecca Mason explores the relationship between social kinds and human mental states. More specifically, she argues that social kinds depend on mental states in the sense that it is essential to these kinds that when they are instantiated, they are instantiated because certain mental states exist. Now, the idea that social kinds depend on mental states has been discussed before. Indeed, it would seem to be the starting point for many discussions of the metaphysics of social kinds because it's plausibly what sets social kinds apart from natural kinds. However, Mason is concerned that previous discussions of the dependence of social kinds on human mental states suffer because the way in which they understand the notion of dependence is flawed. Mason mentions several prominent views of the dependence of social kinds on mental states, all of which understand dependence in terms of modal correlation. Very roughly, these views say that social kinds depending on mental states is a matter of it being necessary that if the social kind in question exists, then certain mental states exist. In other words, 
Social clients depend on mental states because social clients exist only if certain mental states do. The problem is that dependence is arguably not, in general, a matter of modal correlation. To see this, consider the fact that Socrates is a philosopher. This is modally correlated with the fact that 2 plus 2 equals 4, because it's necessary that if Socrates is a philosopher, then 2 plus 2 equals 4. In other words, Socrates is a philosopher only if 2 plus 2 equals 4. But this is just because it's necessary that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Socrates being a philosopher is modally correlated with 2 plus 2 is equaling 4, but the former does not depend on the latter. In general, then, one cannot infer from the fact that some things are modally correlated that a dependence relation holds between them. So we must say something else about what the mind dependence of social kinds consists in. Mason's suggestion is to appeal to the notion of essence in order to account for the dependence of social kinds on mental states. For a kind, call it K, to be mind-dependent, is for it to be the case that it is in the very nature or essence of K to be such that nothing could be K in the absence of certain mental states. So, for example, it's part of the essence of the kind money that nothing could be money in the absence of certain mental states. It's also the case that something's being money depends on other things besides mental states, such as behaviours and institutions, as well as aspects of our physical environment. Hence, Mason qualifies her account of mind dependence by saying that a kind, K, is mind dependent if and only if. It's essential to being K, but if some entity, X, is K, then X is K partially because certain mental states exist. Mind dependence doesn't preclude dependence on other non-mental entities too. It's also noteworthy that it's left open whether because, in the definition of mind dependence, is to be understood causally or metaphysically. The mind dependence of social kinds is a matter of their being essentially such that if they are instantiated, this is partially because some mental states exist. Mason suggests that money, for example, is causally mind dependent due to the fact that certain mental states, intentions and the like, cause some entities to exemplify the essential properties of money. Certain intentions, for example, cause gold coins to be instances of money. But now consider the social kind permanent resident. One becomes a permanent resident by decree, and the instant the relevant decree is made, permanent resident status is conferred. This synchronic relation between decree and permanent resident status suggests that the former does not cause the latter, but that the relationship between the two is instead one of ontological dependence or grounding. Finally, Mason defends the controversial thesis according to which social kinds have essential properties, which is implied by her account of the mind dependence of social kinds. I'll briefly just mention one of the three objections to social kind essentialism that Mason discusses and her response. Some may worry that social kind essentialism frustrates the efforts of social metaphysics to ameliorate oppressive social structures. One might, for example, be interested in affecting change so that it's no longer the case that women are subordinated. But if social kinds, such as the kind woman, have essences which include such properties as being subordinated, then this would seem to suggest that emancipatory projects are doomed to fail. In response, Mason argues that if kinds have no essential properties, then an account still must be given of how a kind that changes its properties over time is nonetheless one and the same kind at different times, and this, she seems to think, poses a serious challenge. Second, Mason argues that kind essentialism doesn't, in fact, doom all emancipatory projects to failure. In defence of this claim, she, she cites Sally Haslanger. Haslanger may be read as maintaining that being subordinated, for example, is essential to the social kind woman because 
Aslan maintains that, quote, in those societies where being or presumed to be female does not result in subordination along any dimension, there are no women, end quote. Mason says that justice for Haslanger requires the bringing about of a world in which there are no women or men by eliminating sex-based subordination and privilege. Hence, she maintains that Haslanger's social kind essentialism is compatible with emancipatory social metaphysics. There's a lot of interest in recent metaphysics in so-called post-modal notions, notions such as essence, fundamentality and grounding that cannot be analysed in modal terms and that can be used to draw finer grain distinctions than possibility and necessity can. Metaphysics is often criticised for being too esoteric, abstract, irrelevant and perhaps meaningless, and the postmodal turn is ripe for this sort of criticism. But this paper does a nice job of showing how postmodal metaphysical tools can be applied to domains with real societal relevance, and so constitutes an important response to those vague and tiresome critiques according to which metaphysics is meaningless. Something that I found myself unclear about when reading the paper, however, was how Mason is understanding the metaphysics of social kinds. Are social kinds, such as money, to be understood as akin to platonic universals, i.e. non-concrete entities that exist outside of space and time, but which can be instantiated by individuals and which account for objective respects of similarity between distinct individuals? Or should we understand social kinds in a more metaphysically lightweight manner as, say, concepts? I don't think Mason's account of mind dependence settles the issue. Her claim is just that social kinds are such that when they are instantiated, this is because some mental states are instantiated. Mental states either cause or metaphysically determine the instantiation of social kinds. But this leaves open whether these kinds can exist uninstantiated, and indeed what constitutes the kinds themselves. The metaphysics of social kinds may introduce complications for Mason's responses to the objections against social kind essentialism. For example, we may be inclined to deny that social kinds are platonic universals because platonic universals seem to be the sorts of things that have their properties essentially and exist necessarily. But in this case, it's less clear how to make sense of emancipatory projects in social metaphysics that seek to change or eliminate social kinds. On the other hand, if social kinds really are just conceptual, I think it becomes much harder to maintain social kind essentialism. Concepts seem to be revisable in a way that makes it implausible that any of their properties really are essential. Thanks for listening to Condensed Matter. Please rate and review the show on your favourite app so that more people can find it. There's also a link to the show's Patreon page in the episode notes. Your support will help towards the costs associated with hosting and production and will lead to improvements in your future listening experience. Patrons of the show will also get the chance to suggest articles and guests for future episodes. 